Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. Light the fuse. I need your help. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. I'm jumping out a window. You've never seen me very upset. Meet the IMF. Sophia. Hi, Park. You sound like you're munching on something. Oh, yeah? Yeah, almost like you're eating something very recently, as in the most recently, the right now. I am eating something right now. It would be an avocado bagel, my favorite meal of all time. Park, what have you had most recently? Most recently, I had some leftover butter chicken from when we went out last night to celebrate my father's birthday. His 54th birthday, everybody. Shout out. We also have another special guest, but this one won't be, you won't be listening to him. Um, But Sophia's dog sitting, a dog named Rudy. Maybe I'll post a photo of him when I, when I upload this episode. Mm -hmm. But um, he's a very quiet boy. He's a very little boy. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's just sitting on my lap right now while I give him some scratches on his back. He's also the sweetest boy. That's true. Well, I'm here. Nah, he's more sweet. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I guess, wow, we really ran through what we were eating pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Almost like we're going to run through this episode pretty quickly. Maybe we should just skip a daddle do to the intro. I'd like that. Okay, well, I was going to cut, but now I'm going to have to cut after. Okay, well. Cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, we are talking with no one. Again, we are in our Mission Impossible mini-series, Mission Mini-series, our mini-missions. For the past um, three weeks, and this and fourth week is this week, uh, we've been covering the Mission Impossible film starring... My boy Thomas Cruise may father the fourth. Um, so this week we're covering Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, directed by Brad Bird. Mm-hmm. Are we not? Oh, we certainly are. And I think something interesting mission-related has happened to one of us in the time since we recorded oh, the last yeah. episode. Um, wow, I was really going to forget to even bring this up. But um, we're doing this all in the lead-up to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, and so we are looking to interview someone for this upcoming release. And that person said yes and put us in touch with somebody, uh, at Paramount Pictures. And we just asked and Trent and I were able to see a press screening of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 early. Baby's first press screening. Okay. Well, um, well, Rudy just heard something and ran away. Um, He's protecting us. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe he found the nuclear bomb. Oh my god, he's done it. Anyways, um, but yes, thank you to our friends at Paramount for letting Trent and I go. And we also had former guest 
uh, Adam Volerich and Dom Nero, um, also at that press screening, who we sat with. Um, very surreal experience, sitting with your old professor. Almost a friend, not quite an enemy. So, anyways, Sophia, um, ten word synopses. You like them, don't like them? Mixed. Give one for this film. I have to think for a minute. <laughs> well, you know the first two words. Tom Cruise. Yeah. What even happens in this movie? We watched it like two days ago. We watched it yesterday. Okay, well, you know, today's a day and yesterday's the second day. Tom Cruise stops nuclear weapons while in ghost protocol. With one with one word to spare even. Woohoo. Um, yeah, we'll we'll call it wow, woohoo. <laughs> the actual synopsis off of IMDb is the IMF is shut down when it's implicated in the bombing of the Kremlin, causing Ethan Hunt and his new team to go rogue to clear their organization's name. Yeah. That's pretty much what I said. Yeah. Um you should also say the budget and box office of this film. Sophia's chewing. She needs some time, so I'm going to fill in with some time. It's craft services. Isn't that what you're supposed to be doing? Wow, 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 wow. Okay. So the budget for this film was $145 million, while the box office was $694.7 million. That's great. Yeah, that was, for a long time, the highest um, grossing... uh, highest grossing film in Tom Cruise's career. Yeah, and I feel like this really definitely had an impact on his relationship with Paramount, I'm sure. How interesting (laughs) that you bring this up, because in our production history, we find that a few months after the release of Mission Impossible 3, Paramount Pictures ended its deal with Cruise Wagner Productions due to bad publicity on Cruise's end and the underwhelming box office of MI3. I feel like that's a little unfair. It's not like the box office was bad. There's some talk about the fact that I think uh, some people at Paramount just really didn't like Cruise at this point because of the Scientology stuff. Hater alert. Yeah, hater alert. Um, he also said some pretty horrible things about postpartum depression and, you know, psychiatry and psychiatry. Maybe the real hater was Tom Cruise all along. Yeah. But anyways, despite the split, development on MI4 continued with J.J. Abrams' production company Bad Robot Productions as he was joining the film as a co-producer. On August 7th, 2009, it was announced that Cruz and Abrams had had hired Josh Applebaum and Andrew Nemec to write the script for MI4. The pair were Bad Robot veterans, having worked for Abrams' show Alias for four seasons. Several directors were in the running for the directing gig, including Ruben Fleischer and Edgar Wright. Sophia, do you even know who those people are? No. Ruben Fleischer did um, Venom, and Edgar Wright did, like, Shaun of the Dead. I definitely and, know Edgar Wright, yeah, yeah. You, but you, not the other. Yeah, you like the majority of Wright's movies, but they're not, like, your movies. But they're good movies. They're too silly for me, but yeah, that's not bad. It's just not for me. Um, but sometime around this time, Brad Bird enters the picture. So a little background, Cruz had met with Bird after the release of The Incredibles in 2004 and told him that he loved The Iron Giant and The Incredibles and would love to work with him should he ever make a live-action film. J.J. Abrams asked Bird what he was working on, to which Bird responded that he was looking for a project. Bird then left the meeting and went home. Upon arriving his home, he looked at his phone and saw a text from J.J. reading, quote, 
mission, question mark. Then in the spring of 2010, Brad Bird was hired to direct MI4. After signing on, though, Abrams remained elusive about the status of the script. Whenever Bird would ask him, he would avoid the topic. Finally, Bird cornered Abrams at a party and asked for a script, and Abrams finally broke, explaining its complicated status. So this is Bird's quote on cornering JJ, quote, It's like I was hunting him for his tax returns or something. Finally, he breaks down and he goes, Okay, there is a script. There are many scripts. Which one of them do you want to read? It's all of them and none of them, you know? And I'm like, what? What do you mean, you know? You got me in this under false pretenses. And then I find out basically that that's true of every single Mission Impossible film made up to that point. They all have a collection of ideas, and but everything is in chaos and being worked on until the last second, and we were no different. That's fun. Despite not having a finished script, the film went into production in October 2010, with production starting off in Prague, which was doubling as The Kremlin, Sophia's favorite place. I love The Kremlin. So the film originally opened with a sequence in snowy mountains with snowmobiles, but without Ethan. The scene was cut to due to budget and semi-replaced in the edit by Josh Holloway's opening action sequence in the final film. The crew then moved to Dubai. Abrams was enamored with the city while staying in a hotel there and was determined to shoot a film there one day. Coincidentally, on his own visit to Dubai, Cruz also became enamored with the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world, and was determined to shoot an action sequence on it. When doing the previous for the film, artists assumed Cruz would climb a smaller structure to be composited onto the Dubai footage. Because of this, they designed the sequence so that it could be filmed with a digital double. According to cinematographer Robert Ellswit, upon learning this, Cruz told the animators, quote, There is no such thing as digital Tom. He doesn't exist. There's no digital Tom. I'm climbing the building. I'm climbing the whole building. And I'm in every shot. And there is no fake. I love Digital Tom. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't exist, Sophia. That's crazy that he kept saying Digital Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have you heard that story of how, like, Tom Cruise couldn't comprehend what um, internet pornography was? (laughs) What does that mean? So, around the time of MI3 when his, like, like, status in Mm -hmm. the industry was kind of taking a dip and, like, his publicity was going pretty badly... He invited Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow's, you know, Judd Apatow. I can't really imagine the three of them. So Cruz basically uh, wants to do a comedy film because he thinks that that'll bring, like, the public to like mm-hmm. him a little bit more, which he ends up doing a bit with Tro- Tropic Thunder. Yeah. And it works. Um, but anyways, he invites them over and they're talking. And then, like, Seth Rogen somehow makes a joke about, like, internet porn or something what year is this like 2006 2007 wow yeah i was like what when is it he does he know how to use the internet at all and then um tom cruise is like what and seth rogan's like you know like porn on the internet and he was like what does that mean and like tom cruise couldn't grasp that there was pornography on the internet mm-hmm. it's just a very like are you an alien what yeah. what is difficult to understand about that um, cause he's also, he's not a That's stupid crazy. man. You yeah. know what I mean? He's a relatively smart man. And like, he understands filmmaking a lot. So him calling him saying digital Tom a bunch it's of times so is funny. so funny. Cause like, what do you mean by that? Like he's not an, an it's not going to be a, a, you, you get what I'm saying. Um, also <laughs> this is sort of an aside that's maybe not relevant, but this makes me think Seth Rogen was in Pam and Tommy, right? Yeah. And in that he portrayed like some of the first ever internet porn Yeah, that's true. Anyways, (laughs) the sequence was then redesigned to feature only the real crews. 
Um, so when actually filming the sequence, Cruz was climbing around the 144th floor around the middle of the burge, which was higher than the Empire State Building. He was protected only by a single wire. Sophia, would you do this stunt? No. I think I of all the stunts that happen in the Mission franchise, I think this is the one I might do. I don't have a death wish. But like he's this, this is this wire that's not going to break. Sure, but like I don't want to go I don't want to jump out of a plane. I don't want to do bungee jumping. But if you have to do any one of them. Like a stunt could be like a fake punch like <laughs> like you know what I mean like a, there's a lot that's considered a stunt that's not an extreme Tom Cruise thing, you know. Fair enough, fair enough. Like he does more smaller stunts throughout the entire movie than the main stunts within each. That's true. Would you, like, uh, off the side of a building, use your belt to, like, zip line down? No. Oh, damn. <laughs> what I would think would be fun would be trying to do the, from mission one, going into the room. <laughs> because you know how Tom Cruise kept, like, hitting his face? Yeah. Like, I would want to see if I could do it without hitting my face. But what if, you, but then when you do, it's not fun. What do you mean it is fun? Well, you'll just hit yourself in the face really hard. No, I'll, I'll be better. Oh, you'll be better than Tom Cruise. Well, I think it's more of a weight distribution thing. Think about where the harness is and think about where women's um, center of mass is, where men's center of mass is much higher. So I could imagine that he's hitting his face because his center of mass sure, is Sure, but that's like an intense body. amount of strength. I'm not saying you're not strong. Uh, you don't but... think that I could just like hold myself flat? Sophia, he like... trains. He's like, he's like a, he's a machine. I'm he has strong part. <laughs> I'm not, it's a center of mass thing. You can't fight your center of mass. Mm-hmm. So to train for the sequence, Cruz built a wall to practice on. Pro- Cruz had production heat up the fake wall as he realized the real building would be much hotter because of the sun. Um, the harness Cruz wore cut off two of his main arteries, so production had to move as quickly as possible so they could shoot before Cruz would lose feeling in his legs. <laughs> in between takes, Cruz would run alongside the Burge's windows and jump while whooping, much to the crew's fear. I love that. That's so fun. Um, for the section of the sequence where Brant and Carter have to hold on to Ethan, Jeremy Renner and Paula Patton also required harnesses. Renner said, quote, heights to me, I think are more terrifying if I'm on the second floor, third floor, because it feels like, oh yeah, I could probably break my leg. But when you're that high up in the air, you're, you're like in a plane. I figured if I fell out, I can call a few people on the way down and say, hey man, I'm going to be dead in a few minutes, but like, you know, what are you doing? Is that what you would do if you were falling that high? Okay. You clearly couldn't do that, though. Well, yes. <laughs> wow, you got him. You got Jeremy Renner on that one. I'm just one. saying, Jeremy, you're going to have to rethink that plan. Anyways. But did you know, apparently, if you fall from that, like, you pass out before you hit the ground? We'll see. Maybe you would pass out. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not saying... Damn, okay. Um... So the crew initially assumed they would only be able to get about four good shots on the real Burge and complete the sequence on stages, but they ended up shooting nearly the entire sequence on the real building with some close-ups done on a soundstage. The sandstorm chase was conceived by Bird. To simulate the sandstorm, huge fans with dust coming out of them were used. Orange tarp was placed over the set to give the illusion that the dust was orange sand. The entire sandstorm sequence was filmed over a period of two weeks. After this, the crew moved to Vancouver to film the ending parking garage fight. While some plates were shot in India, it was all shot in Vancouver with set dressing to make it look like Mumbai. The parking structure was built in a hangar at a shipping manufacturing facility. The structure was 65 feet or 7 stories tall. The film ran into trouble once they reached Vancouver. 
Because of the accelerated schedule of the film, Bird and Cruz were only able to properly develop the action sequences, assuming they would be able to figure out the rest of the film once they arrived in Vancouver. But once they finally arrived in Vancouver, Bird realized he couldn't effectively direct the actors because he himself had simply no idea what was going on in the plot. Cruz realized they needed somebody to help simplify the story and make what they had already shot make sense. This is where Cruz decides to bring on... McHugh... This is where he decides to bring on Christopher McQuarrie, the writer of Valkyrie, one of Cruz's previous films. McQuarrie was hired 10 weeks into the planned 17-week schedule. Many of the major action sequences had been filmed, but all the connective tissue was a mystery to both the audience and the filmmakers. <laughs> McQuarrie said, quote, I worked on Ghost Protocol and came in 10 weeks into a 17-week shoot. They had shot a lot of the exteriors and a lot of the stunts, but they hadn't shot a lot of the story. I spent the first six days simply meeting with the department heads and sitting with the editor watching all the dailies, figuring out which sets have been struck and which are still standing, which need to be built, asking myself what to do if there's a scene I want to delete, but they've already started building the set. How do I repurpose that set to get it to work with the story I'm telling? Is that the beginning of their relationship? Um... So, yeah, I mean, they, so McCory hits, their real first movie is Valkyrie, Mm -hmm. but I would say this is the one, this is where the Cruz-McHugh relationship starts, because after this, he brings McCory on for Edge of Tomorrow, and then for Mission 5, and then for The Mummy, and then for Mission Fallout, and like, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Like, like they, this is where it really begins, because I think this is where Cruz realizes that McCory is good under huge pressure and can completely change a script in the middle yeah. of production. And it was love at first film. You know, it, it really was. So in the film's original shooting script, Ethan and the team did not know what was in the briefcase. The nuclear codes were part of the mystery the team was attempting to solve. The sandstorm chase was originally intercut with Brant, Benji, and Carter discovering what was in the briefcase. While all the climbing scenes had been filmed for the Burge, none of the interiors had been shot, and McCory wrote the scenes on the day of. Brant's backstory was also slightly different. He was dealing with a botched mission, but that mission was called White River and was unrelated to the Ethan slash Julia storyline. Perhaps the biggest deviation from the final film was that Julia, uh, Ethan's wife in the third film, was actually dead. McCory made the decision to integrate Ethan's backstory with Julia and Brant's backstory as it would give Brant an arc now that Julia was alive at the end of the film. I feel like knowing how much these films change while they're filming them makes me think that to all the people that get confused by the Mission Impossible films, like, don't worry about it. You don't actually need to know what they're well, doing. That's the thing that you ultimately, I mean, to bring in another spy film, Tenet, don't mm-hmm. think about it, just feel it. These movies are not, I think that they relatively hold up by the end of the film, except mm-hmm. for two. Yeah. Um, I think they make a relative amount of sense but the point is not to 100% understand, like, how does this connect? To, how does it blah, 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 yeah. blah. You can, but that's not the point. Yeah. It's Understanding more, what the mission is is not your main responsibility yeah. as a viewer. You it's just to have fun. And it's, it's like point to point. What is their objective? Are they yeah. accomplishing that objective? That is it. So according to Elswit, Paramount wanted Ethan to hand the baton of the franchise off to the new team, which would be in line with the studio's initial plans to have Ethan take a backseat from the franchise. Ethan's injury at the end of the film was supposedly meant to be the catalyst for him no longer being in active duty. Bird said that he never believed that that was how the film was going to end as he believed Cruz was still a viable movie star. Smart man. Applebaum and Nemec, McCory, and Damon Lindelof were brought in to write different versions of the ending. Ultimately, Bird wrote the ending used in the film. The film marked the return of the composer Michael Giacchino from previous entries. 
and the Light the Fuse podcast has interviewed Josh Applebaum, Andre Nemec, Christopher McQuarrie, Robert Elswit, and Brad Bird, and none of them know why Hendrix wears a mask of Winstrom during the Bird sequence. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't really, like, why does he do that? Yeah, I have no idea. Nobody knows. Especially because he reveals his face by choice at the end of it, so does it make it... Like, no. he could have just kept his identity hidden if that's what was important to him. I guess that's the only time there's a mask in the movie, though. Yeah. Like a real one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they, they start making masks, but they never... And when they go into the Kremlin, it's not a real mask. Yeah. All right. So to get to some fun facts here, the film was worked on in five countries concurrently, which meant that production was, in fact, happening 24-7. Isn't that fun? That is fun. Which... How were they being worked on concurrently? Because, like, the, the they're filming in Canada in some parts, and they're filming mm-hmm. some parts in Dubai. and they're, So, like, they have to yeah. be on call to, like, set stuff up. Yeah. And, and like, build That's sets fun. and whatever. As with MI3, crews conducted one scoring session. Like the musical score. Oh. Like he was the, did the Com- baton and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Ethan wearing the Born in the USA t-shirt was Cruz's idea. He felt that Ethan Hunt was America's answer to James Bond. To get approval to use their shirt, Cruz called Springsteen up, and the two were previously neighbors. Wow, fun fact, for yeah, sure. Yeah, because originally production was not able to secure it. Wow. The night before filming The Burge Climb, Bird woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat because he realized that he was putting the star of the film on a wire outside the tallest building of the world. He was able to calm himself down only when he realized, however crazy it was for him, it was three times as crazy for Cruz. Wow, could you imagine if he died? Uh, mm. Harrison Ford was in initial talks to play the villain in the film, but according to Applebaum and Nemec, Cruz pushed against the casting as he didn't think audiences wanted to see the two of them beating each other up. That's silly. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't really know what he means by that. Like that, maybe because audiences think of them both as good guys, and like, like why, like Harrison Ford could be a bad guy. Why not? But that's, I guess that's how I feel. Is I could understand more if he said that he didn't feel like Harrison Ford read as a villain, but I think that that makes more sense than being like they don't want to see us fighting; they want to see yeah. us in love. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say that given how much screen time the villain ultimately ends up having, mm-hmm. it would be kind of a waste of Harrison Ford. Yeah. But eh, there's yeah. always Mission 9. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun with these facts, a lot of fun with this film, but not everybody yeah. had fun with this film. Sophia's the transition queen. Um, it's one-star review time. Sophia, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Oh, I'm going to go first. Oh, okay. So we have Alvin here saying, useless, unwatchable. This is the third product I purchased with the same problem. Discs are unreadable by device, eliciting instead error messages. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I'm sorry for him or her. I mean, like, or them. I'm, yeah, anyways. So this one's from Jamie Tackett, purchased by mistake. And the review states, purchased by mistake. It's not, I, I, whenever things like this, I'm like, why did you review this? I also feel like, how did you do that? Yeah. I don't understand. Anyways. Maybe finally, Lucas has something yeah, to say. Yeah, finally we have Lucas with a take that's actually about the movie itself. He says, same bad fool bad guys. Okay. Same script over and over and over and over and over for the last 80 years or so. What's, dot, dot, dot. What is he talking about? 
Like, I even, guess he's even saying at it's this the same, point, like, spy vibe. But even the original show wasn't 80 years old by this point. But, like, spy movies have been around for a long time. Like, sure, but, like, like you have a problem with the whole genre of spy films? I'm just saying somebody who writes the statement, same bad fool bad guys, has no room to criticize a script. <laughs> what does that mean? Same bad fool bad guys. Hmm. And it happened in 2020. Yeah, but this recording is happening in 2023, and we've gone through the rest of our um, sections of mm-hmm. our show, except for our actual thoughts on the film. So, Sophia. Yeah. Shall we start at the beginning? Yeah, let's start at the beginning. So we start off with that um, other guy. other guy doing the little criminal activity he's trying to get the briefcase and i think that the opening is fine it's not my favorite opening because thus far your favorite opening is which one the first one well how does the first one open first one's just like um him as the old man and then he's like and then he's like did we get it we got it yeah and then two i I like the first opening and i would like the opening when he's rock climbing if that was if that was the opening because that's so fun i think it's fine I do like what they eventually show, like, how it went down from beginning to end because they come back to it. Um, And I think that's fun. I like there's an incredible use of gadgets in this movie. So many gadgets. I like his little ring gadget. It's very clean. It's sleek. It's sophisticated. Yeah. Um, But we're getting ahead of ourselves because we only see a small thing. He gets shot by Lea Seydoux, who Sophia said, turned to me and said, so cute. She's so cute. The whole movie, I just kept saying she's so cute because she is. It's true. Um, so, yeah, so he gets shot. Then we cut to Ethan in prison, the prison breakout. What do you think of this sequence? I love the prison breakout. Yeah. I'm, so fun. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you do. It's one of my favorite. I, I think that, like, um, Brad Bird is one of the few directors in the series to, like, shoot Ethan like he's a film star. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say it other than that, but like the whole, like not revealing Tom Cruise's face until that one push in, like, I don't know. It feels so much more classic or something. I love how nonchalant he is and this whole thing. I love, you have Benji freaking out over the phone and Tom Cruise, like just, he's charismatic. He's little funny. He's teasing them. You got a little mystery in there. Why is Tom Cruise in jail? What happened since we saw him last? Yeah. So I think it's really fun. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they get out. We have the whole titles, mm-hmm. uh, which I think are my favorite titles thus far. And what's funny is if you've seen the movie before, you it spoils the whole movie. You see every sequence yeah. that's going to happen up until the very final But they all one. do that, except for two and three. I guess, but I've only seen... Yeah, I guess you've yeah, now, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's only one. But they do that in the first film too. Yeah. But I always I, like sometimes a lot of people are very mixed on that. Some people are like, "That's stupid. Why would you show that?" But I'm kind of like, "But you don't remember it." Yeah, you know I what don't I mean. Think that it's really a spoiler because I don't think you know what it means until you yeah. see it. Um, I do like they say light the fuse because yeah. oh, shout well, out to light the fuse. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's just such a like again, it's just so classy. Like yeah. ah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like the music is so classy too. I love any action sequence set to music. Yeah. There's there's a sense of like fun 
yeah. to this one. And I know Brad Bird said that he was most inspired by Raiders of the yeah. Lost Ark. And you, I feel like this, you can, a lot of directors say that. But yeah. I think this one, you can actually feel it because it's yeah. like a sense of fun and like globe trotting yeah. and all that. Yeah. And I think that uh, him going for his friend, you get the like, oh, yeah. he's like a good guy kind of like you have all of that of who he is in that opening sequence and i think that this is like yeah. if you wanted to show somebody one of them i think that this would be well this maybe is, the best one this is the one really everyone has seen to yeah who he is yeah it's it's good character writing yeah um but anyways then we get the mission at the kremlin um and what do you think of this whole like the the hallway sequence running away kremlin blowing blowing up what do you think of that um Fun, classic Tom Cruise run. I like yeah. a little um, costume switch. It's funny to me that Simon Pegg, I think, has a much better accent than Tom Cruise. Yes, as a um, Russian person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Igorov. <laughs> exactly. Um, you got that Simon Pegg in there. He's goofy as hell. Sophia loves Simon Pegg in this film. He's so in these cute movies. in these movies. In this movie especially. They, they give him his time to shine, finally. Yeah. And I think it was a really smart idea on their part to make him a field agent. Because mm-hmm. he could have just kept being like the guy at, back at the yeah. IMF high, headquarters. Yeah, but I think that when they're not in the same space, you can't feel them connect in the same yeah. way. And then he doesn't really feel like he's part of the team. He's like the guy on yeah. tech support. And him and Cruz have this really funny like chemistry that mirrors yeah. their on or real life dynamic of like Peg is always kind of like freaking out a little bit, mm-hmm. but he's also fanboying and wants to seem cool in front of mm-hmm. like his cool older brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is fun. Simon Pegg, I think, is so funny in this movie. Yeah. I think And Sophia does not like comedy. No, or like doesn't I'm, like when a movie tries to be funny. And that's what he does so well. Is because I don't think the script is so funny on its own. I think it's normal. Like there's jokes, you know but what I like mean? it's exactly. Normal. But then like there's these lines that are so like relatively innocuous, but just his delivery is so good. Like yeah. he's so fun and he's so like He's not trying too hard to make it a comedy or to make it all about him, but he just has his little one-liners that are so good. Yeah. Um, and so then after that, we have Ethan at the hospital. So we get the lip reading again, which I think mm-hmm. is fun. And then um, he escapes with, like, the belt on the clothing line, mm-hmm. and that's fun, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then we— I like that he you really see him, like, surprise himself with yeah. accomplishing that task. And that's when you first get introduced to this, like— sort of like gaggle of goons that's chasing him throughout the movie they're like definitely not the main focus but they keep coming around and i i also think i'm glad you brought up the fact that he's surprised i think this is the first movie where they really highlight that ethan is surprised he's able to do the things he's doing Mm -hmm. if you know what i mean like I think that becomes a much bigger thing in this and all other Tom Cruise movies. But Ethan doesn't want to do the things he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the first movie um, that really highlights, like, oh, this is tough. I guess I got to do it, though. And then, yeah. what? I just did it. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say before that, something that I think is hilarious about these goons that are sort of like this comic uh, relief yeah. situation is he, they The government of Russia is under the impression that this man is the terrorist responsible for blowing up this major building. And they just have these, like, silly dudes chasing him around. Like, these, like, two guys that are sort of goofy that are like, rats, we missed him again. And I'm like, 
this is really all the effort that they would be putting in to try to catch him. This makes no sense, but it's fine. Although we have seen with the Russia-Ukraine war, they are very not good at military stuff. So <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe this is how they would handle it. Um, but anyways, we have Ethan getting the mission mm-hmm. um, from the secretary who, as Sophia says, is slay because he um, helps Ethan out. Yeah. Then Because like... After Kittredge, and I feel like the the big guys are always, like, yeah. out to get Ethan, or, like, they don't care about him. But this guy, like, what a kind guy. And then he gets shot in the head. Yeah, And sad. they go into the, the river. And this is where we meet Brant, mm-hmm. uh, with where we meet Jeremy Renner, um, who's fine in this yeah. movie. I don't feel super strongly about him in general in this film. And that's why, again, it's so weird that this was the guy that... Everybody thought was going to, like, start heading these franchises. Yeah, I would have rather them... If they're going to replace Tom Cruise, I think they have to take it in a totally different direction. You can't replace Tom Cruise That's, yeah. for what he is. You could replace him with friggin' Simon Pegg. Or what's his? What's the actor that plays his friend that's in all of them? Oh, Ving Rhames? Yeah, like, have Luther. him in it. Like, just take it in a very different direction if that's yeah. what they wanted to do. But I don't think, I mean, Jeremy Renner was never, ever, 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 ever going to be able to replace Tom Cruise in a meaningful way. No. He's not a lead man. He's a good actor, but he isn't. I think he's a great sidekick. Yeah, but that's the thing. He's a supporting actor. Yeah. He is not a leading man. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, or, if he, or, if he is, or if he is, or if he's not a traditional leading man, yeah. I think. He's a very particular type of person yeah. in a movie. Um, but anyways, they escape. Sophia thinks it's very clever. Ethan's plan to put a flare on a dead body and have him yeah. move. Then they get onto the train carriage yeah. um, and receive their mission, mm-hmm. which is that this, um, like, exchange is going to happen for mm-hmm. with um, Lea Seydoux, who only works for Diamonds. Yeah. Um, so fun. So super villain. So, so, so Bond, I think. I think it's so fun. And I feel like you really feel like Brad Bird yeah. in this movie in that way. And that everything's like, it's like right on the line between being like too silly, almost like it's, it doesn't quite past that but it gets like as close as it possibly can in terms of yeah. like it's just like of course she only accepts diamonds yeah. um then the crew moves to dubai then the climbing sequence mm-hmm. which i always like i never think it's like such a long sequence but i'm always surprised by it. it's not actually that long yeah um but i mean i think it's good that it's yeah. not because how much of tom cruise climbing could you really like watch mm-hmm. But um, what do you think of Tom Cruise's climbing? My favorite is when he's, like, trying to break in with his feet. Like, he has, like, the one <laughs> yeah. hand on there and he's, like, stomping yeah. on the glass. Because that's so, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think all this stuff looks great. And then when he jumps in and he hits his face on, like, the floor above. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Brutal. this. I mean, Chris McQuarrie has said that the entire Dubai section of this film is the best the mission series ever gets, and he's always fighting mm-hmm. to reach that high again, and he yeah. says he never will. And while I don't know that it's necessarily my favorite thing that ever happens in this these movies, I do know what he means. Yeah. Because you have other things going on at the same time. You got Simon Pig running around doing his yeah. own little thing. Um Tom, it's it's so it's a combination of like a really impressive stunt, but it's also sort of like goofy in a certain yeah. way, and it's 
and it's just and, like so over the top. And with all the Dubai stuff includes like the the exchange that happens, which is very fun. Yeah. I think I love the exchange too. I think that that's that totally encapsulates what I like about one, which is that you have this convoluted plan where everything needs to go just in a certain way for it to work out you have the fake arm for why (laughs) yeah i mean that one was always like there's kind of no reason that that needs to be what happens but it's fun it's also funny to see the like because when you watch it it's it's always a little confusing to me like wait what is there's three hands i'm seeing right now (laughs) yeah um i like that they have to go in no masks and hope for the best that's fun which becomes a recurring thing in the series (laughs) yeah um Everything about it is fun. Yeah, I I agree. Um, And so then the Sandstorm Chase, Mm -hmm. also very fun, I think. One of the best shots of Tom Cruise running with him center frame and just like full cruise speed Mm -hmm. with a sandstorm behind him. Yep. Um, Chase is very fun. Then we get the reveal of the bad guy was wearing the mask. Doesn't do much. Um, then we get... I wish that could have been a better reveal, because it's so fun when he rips the mouth off. Yes. But, yeah. like, it just is, like, okay. It is what it is, yeah. It's like, we thought it was that guy, but really it's this guy. Then we get the reveal. Then the crew sort of comes together. Ethan goes off to go talk to an arms dealer, um, who was originally supposed to be Max from the first movie, which would have been fun. Yeah. Um, but they didn't want to pay her enough to be in the movie. Bull. Um... And then um, we get Brant's backstory that he was supposed to be watching uh, Ethan's wife, Julia, and then saw that she died. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, no, she's dead. Mm -hmm. Then we go to the motherland. (gasps) We go to Mumbai, everybody. We go to India. And the crew have to go infiltrate a party because they need to get access to a satellite, which a billionaire has access to, mm-hmm. and they need to do some shit. Yeah. And this is the part where I'm always like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, but they basically need to get, like, the code to access a satellite from Anil Kapoor. Yeah. The billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sophia, what do you think of all the Mumbai stuff that happens at... Um, Bridge Knott's house. Um, I think it's fun. I think he's funny. He's like weird in a funky yeah. way. I love the tray not... of phones. Yeah, like it's so over the top. Again, like I said pushing before, to the point like, of silly, but yeah, not quite. Because he's not, and it, it feels very like child appropriate too, because I feel like the way that like this would be played in three, for example, is he would be a predator, he'd be creeping yeah. on her, he'd be like or two have all these especially. ladies or whatever, I mean, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um but in this movie yeah, I guess in two is what I meant. But um, three also I mean I said this to Sophie, I think three is the least classy of yeah. all of them. It feels the most like we're a hardcore fucking yeah. movie. Yeah. Um and so like I, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I, I agree. Yeah. And but instead, he's just, like, silly. Like, he's, like, skipping around. Yeah, he's like, like, I'm very hot. Like yeah. all Indian men, I'm very hot. <laughs> yeah, just like Parv. Well, um, you said it, not me. I I like that. I, I love all of it. I love that even as she's, like, slapping him, he's like, ooh, loving this. Like, yeah. when she kisses Tom Cruise, he's loving that. that. Like, like Secure king. Honestly, it's. I think it's so fun. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Then 
our good guys go chase the bad guys. Yeah. They get the case. Oh, and at the same time, you have the Jeremy Renner madness yeah, yeah, situation. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is like their way to do a cable drop. Yeah. In the um, I feel neutral towards it. I think it's fun, but I it's... think that it's definitely the. It's weird because that's the more action focused part of the two things that are happening concurrently, and yet. It's the, it's least, the B yeah. plot or something but I think, like that. But I know? think it's actually a good way to see, like, that Brad Bird gets it. Yeah. yeah. Like, the point is the misdirect, is the, like, we got the guy. Yeah. Or, you, like, that is yeah. the actual, like, um, entertaining part yeah. of it all. Um, and then Ethan um, goes, uh, gets into a fight at the parking garage because the missile gets launched, but they're mm-hmm. going to do the thing and the thing. Um, what do you think of the parking garage? You kind of went off to cook a little bit. Um, but I've seen this movie but yeah, a few this, times at this, this is point. This is the only one I think Sophia has seen at least two to three times. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel too badly that she didn't see it. Um, I like the parking garage fight. I think it's a fun... It's definitely more like just straight on action. Yeah. So I think that's where you would check out yeah. a bit. I do like when he drives the car like just <laughs> off the thing. Like it's, so it's just so, so much. There's a lot of Tom Cruise head injury in this movie that yeah. happens, um, which I'm a fan of. And <laughs> Tom Cruise head injury. And yeah, I just, I, I think that this fight kind of sometimes gets shit on because it's like, the mission movies have this weird thing of peaking in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like the cable drop yeah. sequence happens in the middle of the first movie. Uh, two at least actually does have a good third act as opposed to the middle, which mm-hmm. fucking sucks. And then three um, peaks, in my opinion, with the Vatican sequence. Yeah. This one is Dubai. It peaks with. Yeah. Um. So while this is all fun, it kind of pales a little bit in comparison to the middle. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is definitely other than the very opening. This is definitely my least favorite sequence. Yeah. In the film, but I don't think it's bad at all. I, I also like that it's not super, super long. No. You I think of, they know how when to end it. Yeah, I think they get to the point. Um, and I, I do like him, like, driving the car off the thing, because it's, like, so ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, of course he would do that. Um, And then they accomplish the mission. We see the team regroup. We see Luther yep. for a brief minute. Yep. Tom Cruise reveals that the wife is still alive to Jeremy yes. Renner. And we see Julia. And to me, the... I guess at this point they knew they weren't going to replace Tom Cruise by the time... By the time they finished filming, yeah. um, At this point in the movie. But I feel like the problem with Julia being alive is that now Jeremy Renner has no arc to... Not no arc, but he hasn't learned anything through it. Like, it's just like he never had that... He thought something had happened and it didn't happen. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, But... I'm all right with it. I mean, yeah. uh, it's also interesting. Some people, the reason Julia gets reintroduced later in the franchise is because people were still like, but what happened to Julia? Yeah. And I feel like this movie gives a very clear explanation of what happens to Julia. Yeah. But um, Which I also think that it makes sense because in some movies, they'll be like, I just need to protect them. So I need to stay away, whatever. But in the third movie, she literally almost dies. Like, she gets kidnapped. Like, she's in this horrible situation. She is used against him. So I think that his actions are justified and make sense within the context of the franchise. Yeah, definitely. Um, And that's the movie. So, Sophia, before we go into the ratings gauntlet, Mm -hmm. we forgot to talk about one thing in MI3. (gasps) Hair. Hair. So MI3 and 4. What do you think of the hair? How would you rank all the hairs now. I need to like pull up a picture or something. 
Is that valid? Wow, yeah. This Sophia's pulled up a photo of all of the Mission Impossible hairs. Okay. So don't look at five and six. Okay, well, I, I get it. Um, I liked his hair in this one. I like that it's long, but, like, not yeah. as in his face. It's not so sexy. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I think it looks good on him. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how did you like the hair in three? Three is, like, to me, the classic Tom Cruise cut. Like, yeah. that's the hair I think of Tom Cruise yeah. as having. So I don't feel strongly about it because I'm like, well, that's just what Tom Cruise looks like. I, I agree. Um, now the rating. Ooh, it's getting. Ooh, my skin. Um, my skin's kind of burning up. It's getting kind of hot. I'm Nuclear bomb. It's panting. Yeah. Um, ratings gauntlet. Would your dad like it? Would you re- rewatch it? And would you recommend it? And what would you rate it? My dad would like it. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would recommend it to somebody who wants fun action movie. I think it's. The thing that I like about this movie, again, is it's, like, it's family-friendly, it's a good time, it's a little classy, you know. Um, I enjoyed myself. I think this is still my favorite. Um, I've seen it the most out well, of I see them. It. So, 4, 1, 3, 2. Yeah, that's how I feel cool. right now. I really enjoy 1 I have the same as rating. well, but yeah. 4, I think, is just, like, it's got everything I like. It's got a lot of fun plans. The action's fun. I love all the sequences. Like, I think the... Prison is great. I think the, like, on the building, that's so fun. Like, everything within the building, too, is so fun. Like, in India, that's fun. A good time all around. Um, I think that I would give it, I'm going to say a 7 out of 10. (laughs) Um, Uh, But I was going to say 7.5 was my original thing. But then I was like, if I have to choose a number, I think I would say 7 rather than 8. So I would rewatch this. I would recommend this. My mom does like this, though, not as much as MI3, strangely enough. Um, And I would give this an 8 or an 8.5 out of 10. Now, that is the conclusion of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. You can join us next week for Rogue Nation. And you can listen to us on any of your podcasting platforms and see us um, on any of our social media, which is face or not Facebook, which is Instagram and Twitter. Other than that, goodbye.